Do you want to find solutions on how to make decisions faster, how to solve problems with your teams, or define a clear strategy that resonates with your staff and customers? There is a workshop for that. Hello there, I'm Nati Ravez, founder of La Workshopeuse. I'm a collaboration consultant and workshop facilitator, member of an amazing workshopper community. In this podcast, I meet them to get the best advice on facilitation and I'll let leaders and managers speak to understand the challenges they are facing. Welcome to the show. After more than 20 years in corporates, the move to become an independent workshop facilitator has been a big step for me and a real roller coaster. You can feel overwhelmed by fears at times, you tend to feel isolated in this hubbub of things to take on. My method in those moments, turning to the people I admire, who I would like to be like, or like-minded facilitators growing like me in the solopreneur and entrepreneur world. Most of the time, by chatting, I realize that even the greatest are going through the same things. So my guest today... After being the face of Aging Smart on social medias, Brittany Bowering also took off as a freelance brand strategist first before returning to her roots, workshop facilitation, which is one of her greatest passion. She injects a touch of her personality and humor into her workshops or keynotes, which makes her really unique. And if you want to learn how to combine your personality with your brand and your products, Stay tuned. Brittany will be one of the speakers and workshop facilitator at the Facilitators Retreat, which takes place from 10th to 15th of September in the Netherlands. This is the event to attend if you really want to work on your service offer to make it your own, unique and get you noticed. I really hope this episode will give you one more reason to meet us there. So stay tuned and enjoy. <laughs> hello <laughs> hello Brittany hello how are you I'm good I'm so happy to see you smiling face me too <laughs> <laughs> so Brittany you are a workshop facilitator I mean you are a high skilled workshop facilitator known from a lot of person who are looking at YouTube because of your present in some channel from your uh, former employer, Agent Smart. And, um, and you continue your journey in workshop facilitation. And it's really a pleasure for me to have you for the 20th episode of There is a Workshop for that. So welcome. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. What an honor to be the 20th guest. The 20th guest. Yeah, uh, it's a pleasure for me, of course. And um, how are you? How, are, how is it in Berlin today? How is the weather? Today is a little cloudy. Um, I'm really craving some sun. And I know some of us are in Bali at the minute. <laughs> so some of us have more sun than we know what to do with. Mm -hmm. um, so I'd wish that you would send some of that sun my way. But, um, but otherwise, I'm really good. I had, had a weekend um, in Paris uh, last weekend with a friend. And it was really lovely and sunny and delightful. So I'm okay. Nice. So, yeah. Brittany, I 
We know that facilitation is a field that is uh, coming out since a few years now. I mean, uh, it's become more and more known and we are also in the bubble of facilitation. And um, But actually, nobody is coming out from the university saying, hey, I'm a master of uh, facilitation. So every, every facilitator has a, has a different background and this is what I would like to hear. What is your background? What are you coming from and how did you come to facilitation? Yes, thank, I mean, what a good question. I think also worth noting is the fact that all facilitators are coming from this different background and have different experiences. I think this is such a huge benefit to being a facilitator. I would be a little wary of someone learning to facilitate in university without having ever sort of experienced anything else. Because I think that having the experience working in different offices and companies and on different teams helps you learn about how, you know, learn about people, how to actually, you know, um, how to kind of bring a group together and, you know, facilitate really excellent work. I think it's, there's so many layers to it. And the more experience you have just in life, I think the better facilitator you're going to be. Um, my personal background, I took, um, uh, in university, I was very confused at what I wanted to do, to be honest. <laughs> I was like, Oh, I knew I, I loved school. I always loved school, always loved learning. And so I really wanted to go to university, but I was like, I don't know what to take. I don't know what to do. So eventually I landed on a, a degree in communications and um, that meant more like marketing, public relations, like brand, that kind of angle, um, which I really loved. Always, you know, I think communication, of course, is super important. And I've always been a big communicator. So it did make a lot of sense. Whether or not I use a ton of the things that I learned in university now um, is a totally different question. I definitely, you know, I think university was great for a lot of reasons, but I, I do often question whether or not I would, uh, you know, recommend someone um, do the kind of traditional uh, university route. But I'm happy that I did, um, you know, it at least got me in the in the mode of kind of like meeting people and, you know, like kind of coming together and doing teamwork and getting projects done. And, and that was really great. Um, and then from there, I worked in PR. I worked at agencies. Then I kind of went into more like advertising route. Then I found digital product design and um, never actually was a designer of digital products by any means. Like still to this day, I mean don't get me to draw anything. Don't get me to <laughs> create anything visual. Please, God, don't. Okay. Um, it'll be, we'll, we'll both regret it if that <laughs> happens. Um, but I did, I did kind of fall in love with this sort of startup world when I moved to Berlin. And that's kind of what, what happened um, when I, when I discovered sort of digital products, startup tech scene, I got really excited. And I was like, how can I contribute to this? Um, and I found my way basically from like, through workshops, through kind of helping all of these really exciting minds sort of come together and do their best work together. Nice. So you were yeah. working with all these uh, startups and um, you were working in in the team of the startups or did you start um, more? 
I've always sort of been more on the agency side. Okay. So it's always been like, I'm coming in to work with the startups. Mm -hmm. Um, I also, I did have a bit of a love for like entrepreneurship and I, you know, I started my own little kind of like hair scrunchy company at one point and I had all, I had all these ideas, you know, I was very adventurous, very excited about that world. Not that I'm not anymore, but just sort of found, um, it's a very exciting world. It's a very fast paced, you know, world where people are really, um, you know, kind of a lot of big dreamers. And I love that. Yeah. People are kind of doing stuff and it's like, it's a very exciting place to be. So I really, I really loved that. And then sort of realized that I could actually provide some value, um, to that world as well. You joined Agent Smart, who is an agency yeah. helping companies to develop their product. Yes. And uh, they have a, a program which is for the facilitators, how to do workshops, how to design workshops, how to use all the techniques and methods about this. And you were for several years, one of the phase of Asian Smart on YouTube. Mm-hmm. So how, how is it to be, um, yeah, to be exposed? I mean, it was a big part of your job. Yes. Yeah, this is, this is funny because it kind of happened slowly because I, when I started working with AJ and Smart, it was very, very small. I think I was the sixth or seventh employee. So it was a super small team. Oh, okay. And when I started, there was no YouTube. There was, you know, I think they had just started, like they had just like put, uh, like signed up for Instagram or something. Right. So there was really no social media at all for the company. And that was what I kind of pitched myself, um, as like, that's what I can help you guys with. Right. I can, we can spread the word and whatever. And, um, Jonathan, who is the, the, well, one of the co-founders now, the, now the sole founder and, um, uh, CEO of the business was really excited about that. So we kind of like got together and we were sort of like, coming up with ideas and plans and things. And it involved, like, we knew that the digital product space was a very exciting one, but also one that was very underrepresented on social media. So it was like, there wasn't, Mm -hmm. there weren't really a lot of brands or companies or agencies talking about the work they were doing. So we were like, this is an opportunity and we're going to seize it. Right. So we started going really crazy with Instagram and YouTube were our two big ones. And uh, we just started like, experimenting and posting a ton. And that meant that I was just sort of jumping on, you know, the Instagram stories all the time, explaining what we were doing. And it also meant that I was in a lot of the videos because it was like, we're a small team. So everybody is sort of, you know, going to be a part of this. And I think there was a bit of a magic in that, in that agency, because we were small. It was a very sort of family friend you know, mantra, like everybody was very friendly, very warm. We all like respected each other, but it was a very casual place. So Mm -hmm. everybody was kind of, most people were open to being a part of that, uh, being, being on social media and being in a video, for instance. And I think that's a, it's funny because now I talk to a lot of different agencies or companies and they really struggle with that because it's not as native to the way that they work. Whereas with AJ and Smart, it started so early on that like social media is just a part of it. And so when people started working, like more people got hired on, they sort of knew that. And so it became sort of this, this thing that everybody was like, oh, right. And if I work at AJ and Smart, then that means I'm going to be a part of the social media and I'm going to be in a video potentially. And, and yeah, it was like a very normal thing there. Um, And it built up slowly. So I think for me, it was like the first video that we shot 
I was totally terrified. Um, I didn't know how to use equipment. I didn't know how to edit. I didn't know anything. And I just was like, I think I can figure this out. Um, I had been in, um, in high school and stuff. And I was always kind of um, involved in the dramatic arts. So I, I I had experience of being like on stage and I always really liked that. And I always loved presenting and stuff. So it was terrifying and daunting and all those things, but I sort of like, was just like, I'm doing this. And I think there was something about it because I honestly find it harder now to do my own social media. Now that I'm on my own, I find it way more exposing than when you like are working at a company and you're like, this is the company's thing. It's like, I'm just doing it, you know, as a part of a part of my job. And now it feels a lot closer to, to my heart, if that makes sense. So I don't know. It's like something that you get used to, but it's, um, it's always, always, always really daunting at first. Yeah. I can understand because I'm a, I'm a musician and I was uh, playing with my band and, um, yeah. yeah, sometimes band split for good reasons. And, uh, then someone asked me, yeah, you could go. I mean, I was 10 years on stage and now, uh, they asked me to go on stage alone and I was, Oh no. This I cannot do. Yeah, right. <laughs> Isn't because, that funny? Because yeah, because you don't have your crew uh, behind you. It's exactly. like they have your back, and yeah. So totally. after after all this uh, journey with Agent Smart, you decided to yeah to continue your journey and uh, yeah. to become an, a to become a solopreneur or an, an entrepreneur. I don't know how you name it, and. How was it? Because it's a big change then uh, with mm -hmm. ups and downs. Um, which yes. direction did you want to take? Um, did you make the right uh, decision from the start? H how was it to, to leave this exposure to outside and to be on your yeah, own? Yeah, so I... I felt very um, fortunate that I that when I left AJ and Smart, I had, you know, I built quite a big network. So I felt, um, I felt very safe going off on my own. I felt like this, you know, like I kind of know, I know a lot of people I'm, you know, I, I think I'll be able to get some clients. I kind of felt pretty confident about that side of it, but the other side of it, of like what I want to deliver and how I want to, what kinds of services do I want to be doing and what's my niche and all that was a, kind of a big question mark. And so my first like year, year and a half, it was a lot of just doing absolutely everything that came to me. So it was like, Brittany, can you help us with this? I was like, yes, Brittany, can you help us with that? I'm like, of course. So I was doing a lot of, a lot of everything. And honestly, it was really exhausting. It was also the first year of the pandemic. So mm -hmm. it was, um, I was working a ton and it was also, of course, a very stressful time. So it, it was a little crazy. Once that sort of calmed down and, and the dust settled a little bit, I got a chance to really think about what I wanted to offer. And because I was coming out of AJ and Smart, I had these two sort of key areas of expertise. And one was like branding, social media, marketing. And the other one was workshop design, facilitation, hosting, right? Yeah. So I kind of ended up doing both of those things quite a lot. And, um, you know, I was I was really torn in which direction I could do, I, I could go. On the one side, I knew that people needed help with content. 
content strategy. They needed help with branding, like agencies specifically needed a way to differentiate themselves. I saw such a strong need for that. And, and, you know, a big part of me was like, I could, I could make a really good living specializing in that. And I could build my own business around that. So I went down that path. Um, I guess for those, you know, for those, it was for those reasons, as well as a lot of people told me that that's what I should do. And this is one of those classic things where people mm-hmm. are like, well, you're good at that. You should do that because mm-hmm. oh, there's so many people that need your help and blah, blah, blah. And people were, it's funny how much people were pushing me in that direction. And, and, you know, now I know that I was listening a little bit too, you know, too well to what they they were suggesting that I do because I ended up going down that path and it was lucrative and it was, you know, I was making great money. I had a lot of clients and everything was going well. But I just found myself like at this point where I was just exhausted and not exhausted because I was working too much. I think I was just exhausted because I wasn't excited about what I was doing. So it was like a drag every time I, you know, signed a new client. I wasn't like, I signed a new client and I was like, woohoo, I signed a new client and I was like, oh man, now I have to do the work. (laughs) And I was just like, (laughs) oh man, you know, like it just, I could tell that it just wasn't what I was meant to be doing. And this was a huge learning for me because you really have to not pay attention too much to what other people think that you should do. And I, you know, I tend to listen a lot to other people. um, And I think sometimes it's very powerful and helpful. And then other times it's just not, not good. So I kind of took some time and did a bit of reflecting. And I realized all the while I was doing this content work and this branding work, Um, I was also always being asked to run workshops or to host this team event or to, you know, come and um, help our team learn how to facilitate that. Like people were still coming to me for that work as well. And so I would do it sort of when, you know, when I had the time and when the price was right, I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, I'll do a bit of that on the side. And I just loved it so much. I just, you know, I, I always was excited about that work and always really eager to do a really great job. And I had so much fun and I always got such great feedback that I really, I just realized I was like, Oh, I've been doing it wrong. Like I've been focused on this thing because people thought I should be doing it from the outside. Um, but actually what I am true, what I truly love doing is this other stuff. So that's when I was like, Nope, I'm not doing content stuff anymore. Not at all. I am totally focused on workshop design facilitation and hosting, like event hosting, team retreat hosting, all that cool, fun stuff. And I couldn't be happier with my decision. So yeah, finally, I feel like I've arrived at the place where I should be. Yeah, I think we all have, uh, oh, every person who is going on his own way as a solopreneur or entrepreneur is fighting with the same thing, no matter yeah. if you are Brittany Bowering or if you are Natia Raves or if you are whoever, um yeah this is really a thing to listen to the good advice of friends and them they mean it uh good and with uh yeah they, they want you to do your best but what you are doing the best is not always what you are loving the most yeah so this is the yes. thing If you'd like to join me for a podcast episode or discuss the challenges you face at work and how I can help, book a free call or send me an email. All the contact information is in the show notes. Yeah, your passion is so 
contagious. Um, I saw a video of you. I love that because I love your humor. Really, you are. I want to be oh, you. Thanks, <laughs> I saw a YouTube video. You were giving a, a keynote at uh, Design FAO 2022, mm -hmm. starting with, hey, I'm Brittany and I love workshops. So it was, <laughs> it was your first sentence, I guess. And um, the purpose was how to, run, how to run workshops that get noticed. And it was yes. so interesting. And can you tell me more about that? What is the difference between a good and a great workshops so that our listeners have some takeaways about that. Yeah, absolutely. I love a tangible takeaway. One of my personal favorite things. Mm -hmm. So happy to do that. Um, that was basically um, a talk that I like, I, I loved. I also really enjoyed giving that talk because I think that much like a lot of industries or a lot of um, skills You can you, usually you can like kind of teach yourself um, to do something at like a pretty good level, right? There's sort of like a like like anybody could Google how to run a workshop, and they could probably create a pretty decent structure for a workshop. They could go and deliver it after reading a few blog articles about how to be, how to be a good facilitator, yada yada. But you know anybody can do that. So at you as a facilitator, you as someone who wants to deliver a great workshop, like how do you actually take it to the next level? Um, mm -hmm. it, and that's something that I really am passionate about because I think I really, really, truly believe that it's so important to have fun at work, to be, to be engaged in what you're doing, you know, to feel that motivation and excitement around your work. And that means sometimes, you know, really thinking hard about how, like for me as a facilitator, how can I deliver that to the team that I'm facilitating for? So how can I take their experience and just elevate it um, to something that they weren't even expecting? You know, they were mm -hmm. expecting to get some work done. Yes, but they weren't expecting to have such a great time while they did it. So um, I think there's a few things. And in, in that talk, I, I talk about these, but um, You know, I think that it, so super tangible takeaways, I would say that the a good workshop is, you know, and workshops in general tend to you get a lot of work done in a workshop. That's kind of the idea, right? It's like a yeah, good workshop. Yeah. Yes, everybody comes together and you get a lot done together. Um, I mean, that always kind of happens when you bring not always, but if you bring people in a room and you have a structured process, you will end up doing more than, you know siloed work and all that stuff. So that's brilliant. That's a good workshop. Okay. But the thing that takes your workshop to the next level is when you as a facilitator are setting appropriate expectations. So it's like, even if you have a plan to get a certain amount done, making sure that everyone under understands exactly what you are going to be getting done in that workshop, exactly what the outcome is going to be and exactly how it's going to flow. Like making sure everybody on the team, everybody in the workshop is really well aware of what they can expect is what allows you to deliver that. Because the one thing that I, I find people ask all the time is like, Oh, like I have this person and they're causing problems and like, you know, they're really slowing me down in the workshop. You know, they keep asking all these questions and they're really challenging what I'm doing. Or it's like, Oh, I have this one person who like won't stop talking about this one, like section of the challenge, but that's not really what we're tackling. So it's really holding us back. It's like every kind of like sort of facilitator problem to me, it always comes back to expectations. It's like, well, did you set 
the expectations before the workshop? Did you tell people exactly what you were planning to work on? Because then they would stop asking questions about something that you're not working on. And if they do ask the questions, then you can just go back to the expectations that you set and say, this is an excellent point, but for our workshop today, this week, you know, whatever, over the next few days, we're focused here. So what we're going to do is like, you know, put that on hold, for instance, right? So it's like, for me, it's like setting the expectations with everybody and being so clear about it and really taking the time. I think a lot of people bulldoze through and they think like, oh, I, I need to like start the workshop as soon as possible in order yeah. to make sure that I prove myself as a facilitator and I make sure this workshop is like, everybody's time is so valuable. Let's just get started. And it's like, you have to do the setup. If you don't do the setup, you're just setting yourself up for a lot of issues. So yeah. that's one thing that I would say definitely. The other thing that I think is um, is interesting, I think that a lot of people think that workshops, like a, you know, a workshop should run smoothly right? It's like, oh, it's like from start to finish, like no problems. Everything is just like, you know, like everybody just <laughs> listens and does everything I say and the outcome's amazing. And it's a, you know, mwah, right. A masterpiece because it's super smooth. But the truth is like, I'm a, I'm a bit of a control freak. Okay. Yeah. And so this took me a while to realize is there are some things that uh, you cannot control. Like you can't control the way that people are in your workshop. Yes, you can prepare them. And yes, you can set the expectations. But sometimes, you know, being prepared for the, for the you know, uh, unpreparable or being prepared for the things beyond your control is so, so key. So I think a lot of people think a good workshop runs smoothly. But for me, a great ro- workshop is a workshop where you're able to make you know, changes quickly and iterate on, you know, what your actual, your workshop plan is. And this is something that comes with time and practice. And, you know, as a facilitator, you need to learn what that is for yourself. One thing that I love to do, for instance, is like, if I have a certain exercise that is maybe like newer that I haven't done a few, I I love to bring new exercises into my Mm -hmm. workshops, right? So I'm always kind of playing around and experimenting, but what I'm never doing is relying on this one exercise to deliver what I want it to deliver. I always have a backup. If I'm not totally sure that this exercise is going to work, then I have something up my sleeve. Or if I'm not totally sure if I'm going to have enough time for this specific activity, then I'm like, I have a shorter version of it. I always have something that's sort of like a plan B on the back burner as a just in case. And I think that's so important. Um, this is in the in the preparation, actually. So to yes. to be able to be flexible and to be able to to improvise, improvise make, it. prepare a plan B, maybe a plan C, um, yeah. to, to be yeah. sure that, oh, I can use it. So you have it exactly. in your basket, so to say. Yeah, exactly. And I know that's like, like I'm someone who loves to prepare. And so for me, I'm like, this is great. Um, and for some <laughs> people that might be daunting or feel like it's really like, whoa, that's a lot to you know, have what I do is I I don't have like a backup plan for every exercise, but I have like certain exercises that are key that I know are super important. And I know that like, if we run out of time or if there's, if I'm seeing, oh, we're going overtime here, I can make some adjustments. So it's just about being able to do that. That's what makes a great workshop. And, and I think people are like, I'm often very, um, very transparent about that with my participants. Like, you know, I'm not, 
I don't need them to think that this is a super rigid, specific thing that is never changing. Like that's what makes you a facilitator and a, and a workshop expert is that you're able to see how the team is going and what's happening and able to make changes based on that. And people really would be, are more excited about that than you just being like, this is the process. I'm like, stop right there and let's keep going because you know what I mean? It's, you have to sort of play with the, the cards you've been dealt. Right. Um, and I think that's super important. One thing, another point that I think is, is so important is like, okay, yes, you, your workshop, if your workshop gets the outcome that you plan, that's a good result, right? But a great workshop not only gets the outcome that you planned, but it also um, leaves people with, um, it's something that I talk about a lot. It's these peak moments or like leaves people with peak memories. And this is the big part of that talk that I delivered. And it's something that I just really believe so highly in. I actually have the book in front of me right here. Um, there's this book by Chip and Dan Heath. It's called The Power of Moments. And if you haven't read it, if you are in any, like, I mean, I guess everyone listening to this is probably in some way a facilitator, but even if you're just like working in with clients or with customers, like this is just, it's such a good book. And basically they talk about peak moments and how an experience, the way that someone remembers an experience, um, is they remember the super highs and the really low lows. Um, they don't really remember the the average, the like okay stuff that happened. Mm-hmm. So it's like if your workshop runs smoothly and runs nicely and you get to the outcome that you expected, that's fine. But no, and no one's going to go running telling somebody about that workshop because it's like, oh, that's kind of what they expected to get, right? Um, but if you strategically plan a few key moments in your workshop that sort of surprise people, delight them, uh, make them laugh, you know, whatever that might be, they will leave your workshop in their brain. They'll feel like that workshop was actually, I mean, it's funny to say this, but they'll, they'll remember it as better than it was. (laughs) Even if like what you did was super average, but you planned a few peak moments, people will remember your workshop as being, yeah, really great actually. So it's kind of this it feels manipulative, but also you are delivering an experience. That's what we're doing as facilitators. We're going yeah. in and we are, you know, providing an experience to your participants. And I like to think about it that way. It's an event. It's not a workshop, right? So, um, yeah, those are a big ones for me. Do you have popcorns in each of oh, your yeah. workshops? <laughs> 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 I think I should start because everybody loves this yeah. popcorn with your brand, with your with your face on the. On That's the a packaging. great idea. That would yeah. be nice. So what I did was at this talk, I was like trying to figure out. I was like, how am I going to deliver this message and deliver a peak moment at the same time? <laughs> so I was thinking, I was like, I just I need something really simple. That's easy. Like there was kind of a big crowd in front of me, so it was I needed something that could could be done very quickly. So what I decided was I would ask the audience if they've experienced a peak moment during the conference, right? Like what's a peak moment that you've had? And then the people who answered the question, because this was also was a group of people that weren't super talkative. There were not a lot of like, there wasn't a lot of back and forth between the speakers and the audience, which I really don't like. I like when there's a lot more interaction. So I was trying to kind of get things going. So Mm -hmm. I was asking them questions. And then the people who responded to my question, who were brave enough, you know, to put up their hand and to speak in front of everybody, I gave them some popcorn that I had 
I just bought it. It's a Berlin popcorn company. Um, I just brought it and I thought, you know, this will be kind of fun and silly, you know, and it ended up making a little bit of a splash. You know, everybody was really excited about this popcorn. Um, and this is just <laughs> the perfect proof that it can be so simple, like something so simple and cheap, by the way, you know what I mean? That popcorn didn't really cost me very much at all. Um, but it's the thoughtfulness, right? So when I run workshops, um, I do, I do do things like this. So, um, sometimes on like the first, if I'm running a sprint, so it depends on what I'm doing, right? So if I'm running a sprint, that's one week long, that's a lot of time that you're spending with these people. It's also a lot of effort on their part. So I try to kind of bring a few things along the way. So usually I'll plan, uh, to give everybody, I, I like to give a, a kind of little gift to everybody after the first day. Cause I find the first day of the sprint so exhausting and everybody's just like, Oh my God, what have mm-hmm. I gotten myself into? So usually I'll give them something. <laughs> and, and sometimes it's like a book that I've really been enjoying reading, um, something kind of creative, something inspirational usually. Um, because usually people in the sprint on day one, have been kind of like pulling their creativity out and have been kind of doing much more creative work than they're used to. So I usually kind of reward them by giving them something at the end of the day. And usually this like takes them, if you think about sort of the peak moment thing, it takes them from this exhaustion where they're like, oh my God, I'm so tired. That was such a long day. And they might even be in like a negative state. They might be like, oh, the idea that I came up with um, in the sprint, like I'm not happy with it or whatever. So I'm taking them from that level and I'm giving them this little gift that's like wrapped up and looks really cute. And I give it to them and then they're like, oh, and they have this like burst of kind of energy and positive positivity and they leave the day feeling great. Right. And that's kind of a really great, sometimes I bring candy along and, you know, put it. So there's always sort of little things that show them that this is not just a long meeting. This is not just another workshop. This is something special and that I'm super happy to have them there. Right. That's kind of what I'm saying with my, with my strategic peak moments. Um, throughout the thing. And I have mm-hmm. other examples, but I think that's that's a pretty good one. Hey, I'm Katrin Siebeks from Facilitators Connect, and I have something for you. If you are an entrepreneur in the field of facilitation, keep your ears wide open. There is an event that you should not miss if you want to scale up your business and leverage your skills. It's called Facilitators Connect, and it is a retreat which will take place from the 11th until the 15th of September in the Netherlands. Five intense days with top speakers who will hold exclusive workshops where you will get the most out of your own positioning, but also your sales and marketing strategy. With speakers such as Ahmad Munawar, Axel Van Kuali, and the well-known Brittany Bowring. Grab your coupon in the show notes to get a special discount. Sign up super quick on facilitatorsconnect.com and join 40 facilitators from all over the world for five intense days for your business, for your network, with like-minded people, but most of all, for yourself. See you soon. (laughs) So with uh, all this great experience as a workshop facilitator, with your backgrounds in marketing and communication and with your journey as an entrepreneur solopreneur you are actually the perfect guide for freelance facilitators or facilitators thinking about starting a facilitation business and here's the thing you'll be one of the speaker 
and workshopper at the Facilitators Connect retreat in September. Yes. So we will see us in person I'm there. So I'm very happy about this. I'm really looking for the peak moments. <laughs> I know. Now I have to <laughs> and, be very um, careful. I want to make the people excited about this because this is really the event for facilitators who want to grow their business and level up in their growth. Yes. Um, what can we expect so, there? Can you give us a sneak yeah, peek? Yeah, I'm so excited about this workshop, honestly. Um, I'm developing it very specifically for this um, event. So because I thought, you know, okay, mm -hmm. I'm going to a facilitate, it's a facilitator's retreat. They're all, everybody's facilitators. There's going to be a lot of people who are super experienced facilitators as well. Um, so I thought, you know, what can I deliver that would be really bringing as much value as possible to this group of people. Um, and so I thought I would combine, I would present a workshop that would kind of combine my background in brand and, um, you know, community and all those kinds of things into um, facilitation and workshops. So my workshop is going to be all about how to take your brand, whatever your brand is, and inject it into your work. So it's like how to bring your brand to life when you're with your clients facilitating a workshop even before you facilitate the workshop. So how are you communicating with your clients or with potential clients? And then of course, after the work, like what are you doing that will kind of bring your brand um, profile, like elevate your brand profile. So in very sort of simple terms, we're going to be doing a workshop where you are going to be kind of defining what your brand actually is. What are your values? What are your kind of like pillars or whatever you want to call them? Then we're going to be looking at the work that you do and coming up with ideas on how you can take your brand and bring it to life in your work. So it's like for me, one of my um, one of my pillars is like, let's say it's learning or um, education, right? I love to teach. I love to coach and everything. So when it comes to how I work with people, how do I bring that value to life, right? How do I show people that that's what I care about? Um, so maybe that's like in my workshops, I give everybody a little booklet that's like three key workshop exercises or something that kind of educates them so they can take that and, you know, use it back with their teams, like something like this, right? And we're going to be coming up with those ideas for for everybody. So everybody's going to be kind of working on their own brand and how they can actually kind of amplify their work and bring themselves um, well, differentiate themselves in the market for sure. So it's like, you're, you're a facilitator, but you are you, and that is different than me, right? So how are we going to actually provide those different experiences? So it's all about kind of designing your, your workshop experience. And that's exactly the name of it actually. So yeah, I'm actually, when I came up with this idea, I thought, oh my gosh, I'm so excited about this workshop. And I thought I need to do this <laughs> workshop actually. Like I need to like refresh my branding stuff and do this workshop myself. So I think for anybody who wants to kind of, um, yeah, take their take their work to the next level, take their brand, you know, their profile to the next level, I think this will be a really, really great session. So join us to the Facilitators Connect retreat, which will take place from the 11th until the 15th of September in the Netherlands. There are some coupons Yay. in the show notes to have some discount to go there. Yes. I'm super happy to see you there. 
I mean, to meet you in person. Thank you. And if, it will be super fun. Yeah. Thank you so much for being my guest today, for your time, for being the 20th, <laughs> the 20th on the podcast. Yay. Thanks so much for having me, Nati. It was really fun. Thank you very much. We see us in September. See you in September. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Isn't she lovely? I mean, really. Check out her keynote on YouTube at Design FAO 2022. Her speech entitled Run Workshop That Get You Noticed is definitely one of my favorites. You can find the link to this video and to Britney's LinkedIn profile and homepage also in the notes. I really look forward to seeing you in September at the Facilitators Connect Retreat. Check your coupon in the notes for a discount and go to facilitatorsconnect.com and sign up. In the next episode, I'll be hosting Chris Bradshaw, product strategist and workshop facilitator who advises companies on their digital strategies, new innovations and navigating the future capital landscape. We'll chat about the book design sprint, which was the starting point for his journey as a facilitator and how he's created a range of workshops to guide companies through their innovation process. And until then, I wish you health, success and a huge amount of happiness. Au revoir.